John chapter 3, verse 16 to 21. We're going to read from the New Living Translation. It says, For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his Son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. 18. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him. But anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. 19. And the judgment is based on the fact, on this fact, God's light came into the world, but people love darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. Verse 20. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed. Verse 21. But those who do what is right come to the light so that others can see that light, others can see that they are doing what God wants. May the Lord bless his word in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Last week I talked about the constraining force of the love of God. And today I want to talk about the restraining force of the love of God. Restraining and constraining. I'm going to explain the difference. Because somebody may be saying, what is constraint? What is restraint? What is all this strange strain that pastor is talking about in these messages? I remember one of my classmates in high school is a lady. One day she said to me, she said, if not for my father's foolishness, I would have been a black American. I said, what do you mean? And she said, back in the day, back in those days, there was a man, or I don't know if it's a woman who was in Cameroon at the time, working for an, an organization that was present in Cameroon. And then somehow, he found interest in this uh, classmate's father and opted to take him to America. But that was the time he fell in love with this lady's mother. And he was afraid that if he goes to America now, someone else may grab the love of his life. So he declined the opportunity and said, I'm not going. So my classmate was saying, even of my father's foolishness, maybe I would have been born in America. Then I said, listen, if your father had gone to America, he would have married somebody else. The child born would not have been you. So you might never have been existed. <laughs> Hallelujah. What am I saying? When you are in love, there are certain things you are going to be restrained or prohibited from doing. When you are in love. And in this context, when you are in love with Jesus Christ, there are certain things that you are going to be restrained or stopped from doing. You can't do whatever you want when you are in love with Jesus Christ. There are certain opportunities that are going to come your way that you're going to say no because I'm in love with Jesus. But I say this to you because there are many of us here today, if you were given one million dollars to walk in a street club one day, just one day, what would you say? you say, I will go get the gig. Then I can come back and say, Lord, forgive me. But when you are in love with Jesus, there are certain things you are going to say no regardless of how you feel. Hallelujah. So, when we talk about constraint last week, 
Constraint means you are forced to do something against your will. For example, there are certain Sundays that you get up in the morning, you feel like just staying under that sheet and relaxing on a Sunday morning. But the love of God constrains you to get out of bed and come to church. You are forced to do it against your will. Now, the difference between restraint and constraint is that with constraint, you are forced to do something. With restraint, you are stopped from doing something. Do you get a difference? With constraint, you are forced to do something. For example, you just got a big check from your job. Constraint says, give a portion to the Lord, right? You don't want to give it, but something forces you to give. But restraint is like I have an opportunity to do something that will gratify my flesh and make me feel good. But because I'm in love with God, I am stopped not to do that thing. So I hope the difference is very clear right now. Amen. John chapter 3 verse 16. If you don't know this scripture, we need to refer you back to Children's Church for one month. Then after the teachers can write a letter and say you have, you've gone through, you can come back to adult church. <laughs> Hallelujah. It says that for God so loved that he gave. For God so loved the world that he gave. I recently explained to you that God's love was not centered on the church. God loved the world. Meaning, like I said, God has the same love for you like he had for Osama bin Laden. God had the same love for you like he had for Adolf Hitler. God has the same love for everyone, including the person you think is the worst in the world. I said the difference is how we respond to that love. That's what makes the difference. He'll so love that he gives. The second thing is that if you're in love, you give. I've told you time and again, if you want to know someone who is in love with you, they give. If you're in love with somebody, anytime you ask them for something they don't have, it's a sign that this person is not in love. Maybe they are looking for something else. But when you love, you give. Because for God so love that he gave. I used to say, you can love. You can give without loving. But you can never love without giving. Did you hear the difference? Because when you love, you give. However, love is not just about money. It's about your time. It's about your talent. It's about your treasure. You bring all those things into the plate when you are in love with Jesus Christ. It says, for God so loved that he gave his only begotten son that those who believe should not perish but have eternal life. Let me say this to you. People don't go to hell because they sin. Can I say that again? Because if people are going to hell because they sin, all of you are going to hell. Is anybody here who is sinless? Wave your hand. Let thunder follow you now. <laughs> is anybody who is perfect? We are not, but the difference is that we have believed in someone who is perfect. And so we have exchanged position. He took our imperfections so that we can take his perfection. So I'm coming before God now because of his life, not because of my life. So we go to heaven because we believe in Jesus Christ. Amen. So people don't go to hell because they sin. They go to hell because they refuse to believe in the Son of God. Yes, Hallelujah. Amen. That is the reason that people go to hell. Eternal life is not something you get when you die. 
Once you say yes to Jesus, you have received eternal life. In other words, I am living eternal life right now. Eternal life is the life of God in you. Once Jesus comes into your life, you are living eternal life. It's an unquenchable life, an unstoppable life. It is the supernatural life that comes without limits. That is why sickness can come into a place and it doesn't touch you because you have life that is not natural. Hallelujah. That is eternal life. In verse 17 it says, God's son is sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. The coming of Jesus Christ was the greatest blessing the world has ever experienced. The coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, the greatest blessing. But others consider it as if it's a problem. People even try to argue that Jesus was on earth. But there is historical evidence that Jesus Christ lived, he died, he was buried, and he resurrected. Do you know that hell was not created for any human being? Do you know from your scriptures that hell was not created for any person? In Matthew 25 verse 41 it says, Hell was created for the devil and his demons. But since Satan is a criminal who doesn't like going down alone, he's working so hard to take many people to his captivity. It was never God's intention for any man to go to hell. But since hell was created for Satan and his demons, he said, I'm not going down alone. Have you had that one classmate or that one friend that anytime you guys got into trouble, he can't keep you out. He has to confess that he was there too. Even though you were not initially part of the story or the accusation, he will say, oh, he was there too. That is what Satan is doing. He is making sure anyone who has committed any crime should also go down for that crime. That is what the Bible says. He's the accuser of the brethren. He accuses us before God day and night. So look at what she did. Look at what he did. Because he's trying to gain as many people as possible to hell. But thank God for the blood of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. The blood of Jesus will always prevail for us. Amen. Amen. The blood that speaks better things more than the blood of Abel. He said there is no judgment against anyone who believes in him. Because anyone who does not believe in him is already judged for not believing in the Son of God. So the judgment of God is already activated against those who don't believe in him. And he says, if you believe in him, you are not judged. Because in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, it says, the life that I live, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So if Christ lives in me, I'm not judged because this life is not mine. It's the life of Christ. So people are going to be judged and condemned because they rejected the life of Christ. Once you receive that life, you can't be judged because Jesus cannot be judged. Hallelujah. Despite this offer, many reject this path of justification through Christ and prefer to walk on the path of judgment which leads to eternal damnation. So anyone who has refused the Lord Jesus Christ now, you are not going to know where you are going to when you die. Right now, you are walking down to hell gradually. If you are not a Christian, if you are not born again, right now, you are gradually going down to hell. So when somebody dies as an unbeliever, it doesn't matter the scriptures you place above his casket. You know, we have traditions where when somebody dies who has never been to church since 9-11. Now, because he's dead, 
They print all kinds of scripture. He has fought a good fight. Uh, blah, 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 blah. It doesn't change where the person is going to. If you have not received the Lord Jesus Christ, you are going down to hell gradually. Whether it's your father or your brother or your sister or your friend, it doesn't change their destination. Amen. The time to change where you are going is now. When you say yes to Jesus, your eternal destiny is sure. I know if I die today, I'll be with the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. So think about it. All your friends, your relatives, maybe your father, your mother, I'm, sad, I'm sorry to say, who died without Jesus Christ? Where did they go to? Where did they go to? I know you don't want to think about it so much. And then someone say, hey, mama is in a better place looking at us. Was she a Christian? Even though you know she didn't go to heaven. I'm sorry to be very blunt with you. That is the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that those who believe in him should not perish. The only way to escape eternal damnation is by receiving the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Other than that, going to church doesn't save you. Being a Muslim doesn't save you. The only way to Jesus, the only way to God is through Jesus Christ. Yes. When you say yes to him and walk with him. Yes. Hallelujah. In verse 19, he says, All who do evil hate the light. And they stay away from the light because they are afraid that if they come close to the light, their sins will be exposed. May I suggest to you that some people don't come to church because they don't want to hear the life they are living. Because if they come to church, they are going to talk about something they are doing that is not right. So they stay away from church because they want to be comfortable in their darkness. They don't want the life they are living to be exposed. And so anywhere there is darkness, something bad is bound to happen. That is when you go to places where bad things happen, the lights are always either dim or almost off. You know some of those places, right? Look at your neighbor now. <laughs> those places where they have dim lights or lights that are always like almost off. You know some of those places. Don't look at me too hard like you're innocent. <laughs> Personally, listen to me. Personally, I have a problem with churches that have a nightclub vibe. Personally. You don't have to remind me of where I came from to make me worship God. Is somebody hearing me? When light flashing, it's all dark. I can't see my sister's face and we're in church. The Bible clearly says in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 16, it says, God alone is immortal. And it dwells in inapproachable light. So if God dwells in the light, why do we have to dim, dim light in the church to make people comfortable to worship? Anywhere light are dim, bad things are happening there. Amen. So when there is light in church, we know God is here. Yes. That's my opinion. This Bible didn't say so. I just believe that anywhere good things are happening, there should be light. Amen. Amen. Because some of us have been in those dark places before. And sometimes when we give us those that vibe, it reminds us of <laughs> where we used to be before we came here. Please, don't remind me of where I came from. I want to be in the light so I can worship the Lord. <laughs> Amen. In 1 John chapter 5, 1 John chapter 1 verse 5, it says, This is the message we have heard from him. And we declare to you, God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If you don't have Jesus in your life, you are in darkness. Let me say this to you, again to you. Darkness is not the absence of light. 
Darkness is the absence of Jesus. Anywhere Jesus is absent is darkness. Any group Jesus is absent is a darkness group. Any relationship where Jesus is absent is a darkness relationship. If Jesus is not present in that relationship, in that thing, in that house, in that group, it's a darkness group. Because darkness is not the absence of light. It's the absence of Jesus. So think about the places you go, the friendships you make, the things you do. Is Jesus there? That is why if you go to any group where prayer is not welcome, get out. Where the word of God is not welcome, get out. When they say, don't bring that church here. This is not church. Anywhere Jesus cannot be comfortably celebrated is darkness. Is somebody hearing me today? I don't care whether it's your village group, whether it's your friendship group, whether it's your non-profit group. If Jesus is not present, it's darkness. Because light, I mean darkness, is the absence of Jesus. Hallelujah. How does the love of God restrain us? Number one. The love of God restrains what we love. The love of God restrains what we love. In John chapter 3 verse 19 it says, This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light. So if I'm in love with Jesus Christ, it restrains what I love. I can't love anything that is contrary to the nature of Christ. I can't love anything that is against the will of Christ. You cannot love God. You cannot be in love with God who is light and then still love darkness. Let me say it again. You cannot be in love with God who is the light and still love darkness. And I already told you that darkness is not the absence of light. It's anything that is, has the absence of Jesus Christ. When you love God, you hate what God hates. And you love what God loves. Hallelujah. There are people who profess to be Christians, but they still love darkness. After church, they go to that dark spot. They go to that dark activity. But they claim to be in love with Jesus. When you are in love with God, you have a restraint. There are certain things you can't love because you are in love with the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, some people say, I love Jesus, but I love me some strip club. In other words, I really like Jesus, but I also love strip club. I can't stop going to the nightclub because I, even though I love Jesus, I still love this. It is because you don't have restraint. Because when you are in love with God, you are restrained from doing certain things. You are restrained from loving certain things. Hallelujah. It doesn't matter how God is speaking to you. You still have a strong affection for certain things because there is no restraint in your love for God. When you are in love with Jesus, what you love must be in alignment with God's word. Hallelujah. What you love. There are people in church whose favorite musician is not any gospel artist. Is that naked woman. I don't want to call her name. You know, you know what I'm talking about. When her music comes on, it doesn't matter where you are. Light just comes into your soul. Because that is what you love. Even though you know that this woman cannot sing in your church, but that is who you love. When you are in love with Jesus, you can't love what Jesus doesn't love. You can't love who doesn't love Jesus. 
You can't love people who don't glorify Jesus. I love things that Jesus loves, and I love people who love Jesus. Hallelujah. Meaning, if I'm giving myself to any activity or anything, it must be something that God loves. Something that glorifies the Lord. So I am prohibited from loving certain things. I'm prohibited from having affection for certain things. I told you about a friend of mine whose dad went to the hospital and the doctor said, Sir, if you are going to live for long, you have to stop drinking alcohol. And the man said to the doctor, what is life without alcohol? What is life without one beer every day? And he came back home and continued drinking and six months after he died because his love for alcohol was stronger than his love for anything. When you have the love of God, you are restrained from loving certain things. Are there still things in your life that you still love? Like I said, you still love that naked woman. You still love that side where you watch those immoral things. You still love your alcohol. You still love going to those spots, those places, even though you claim to love the love. I pray from today, may the love of God give you a restraint to say no. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Where you can say, all the bad, bad things I used to do, I do no more. All the bad places I used to go, I go no more. All the bad things I used to say, I say no more. Because there is a restraint in your soul because of the love of God. Hallelujah. Amen. Number two, the love of God restrains us from darkness. In John 3, 20 says, everyone who does evil hates the light. I will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. Darkness is when we consciously do what is wrong and claiming that God will forgive us regardless. Have you, have you heard people say, I know what the Bible says, but this is what I'm going to do. God forgive me in advance. They, they plan their sin and program their confession and say, I'm going to do it. I know God, God, God forgive me, but I must do it. You are in darkness. Anyone who consciously lives in sin or is doing something that they are consciously aware that is against the scripture, but hoping because they know God is a merciful God and will always forgive. So they go ahead and do it because they know I will ask for, for forgiveness. You are in darkness. You are in darkness. People always wonder, how can a loving God send people to hell? This is why some people don't believe God, the hell exists because they say, God who is so loving, God who is so merciful, how can God allow all these people to go to hell. But God's love is bound by his justice system. In other words, if you were a judge and you were sitting in the federal court in Washington, D.C., you have a constitution that has, that has been given to you to guide your judgment. And then your son or your daughter is brought before you as a criminal. Will your judgment change? I know some of us here will change it. But as a man of justice, you apply the same judgment to a stranger as well as to a relative. And God's justice system says, for the wages of sin is death, and the gift of God is eternal life. So any man who has rejected eternal life has chosen the path of death. So when you come before God, it's not God sending you to hell. It's your choice that took you to hell. Jesus died for everybody, but some have rejected him. So they are not going to hell because they sin. They are going to hell because they rejected the offer God gave them. 
So they say, how can God? No, God is not sending anybody to hell. People have chosen to go to hell. They say, let me enjoy this life. Then suffer after. If you read the story of Lazarus and the rich man, the response that Abraham gave to the rich man says, son, in your lifetime, you enjoy the good things. In other words, you were, every Friday you were in a nightclub having fun. You drank your alcohol. You enjoyed the women. But now it's time for you to pay back. But Lazarus had restraint. He won't go for those fun things. He won't go to those places. And now he's in eternal bliss. So which one do you prefer? Having fun now and then cry for eternity or have restraint now and enjoy for eternity? Which one do you prefer? God is not sending anybody to hell. People have chosen to walk down the path of hell. If you are walking in darkness, don't be surprised where you end up. Because, like I said, darkness leads to darkness. And that, the, 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 the climax of darkness is hell. There's no light in hell. It's completely dark. The only thing that makes you see somebody is fire. The only light in darkness in hell is fire. There's no light in hell. So if you walk in darkness now, I tell you, you're going to meet more darkness. If you like places where lights are dim, there is a place for you where there's no light. You can do whatever you want there on that day. But there will be no opportunity because of pain. How can we say we love God, but we still go to those places? We still do those things. We still love darkness. You're still involved in fraud. You're still gambling. You're still secretly talking to that woman, that man, that you know is against God's will. You're still involved in all kinds of abominable activities when you say you love God. You can't love God and love darkness. If you love God, you will hate darkness. Amen. Amen. You will hate darkness. Let me explain this to you. It's like being married and being committed to that marriage. There are things you want to do. There are even things you think about, but you don't, you don't dare say it to your wife or your husband. Am I right? You can be walking, let's say a, a, a woman, you're walking around somewhere and you see a man that is fit, a man that is handsome. You don't dare say to your husband, wow, this man looks good. You just keep that in your mind because you're trying to stay committed to your marriage. <laughs> or as a man, you see another woman that looks like an angel. You don't dare to say, wow, look at that angel. You just admire for yourself and keep going. Because you're trying to stay, you want to have restraint for your relationship. You can't do what you feel, what you think, or how you feel, because you are committed to a relationship. So when you are in love with Jesus, there are things you can't freely do, because you, are want, you want to stay committed to the one you love. Is someone hearing me this morning? When you come around someone who is in love, for example, you go to an office of a man who is married, and if the man loves his wife, you see the wife's picture on the wall. You see the kid's picture on the table. Sometimes you see a ring. It tells you this man is in a committed relationship. So I ask you this morning, when people come around your life, do they have any indication that you love Jesus? When they drive with you in your car, is there something that comes on to tell them you love Jesus? When they visit your house, do they have any, any vibe that this, this man is in love with Jesus? Because when you love Jesus, your environment will testify. 
that this man, this woman, is in love with Jesus. I've said it so many times that there are times I visit maybe someone, maybe a church member or someone who is a Christian, and the moment they hear that is pastor, you see they're looking for a remote, they want to change the, the music. So let me enjoy the music too now. If the music is good, why are you changing it? Say, pastor, pastor, eh? you, are, you are scrambling around. <laughs> this man will go, welcome, welcome. Who are you deceiving? If you love him and you're proud of him, you carry that vibe wherever you go. In public or in secret. Is someone hearing me this morning? Number three. When you are in love with Jesus, the love of God will restrain you to do what God wants. The love of God restrains you to what God wants. In other words, it's not what you want. It's what God wants. It's not about what you think. It's what God thinks. Your opinion does not count. What counts is the word of God. If somebody asks you now, what do you say about gay marriage? You say, well, I think, well, I know. What the Bible says is what you should stand for. We live in a generation where it's all about feelings. I feel this, I feel that, I feel this. We don't feel, we proclaim the word of God. Amen. Your feelings don't count. What counts is what God says. And if God says it, that is what I want. I am restrained to want the same thing God wants. Hallelujah. I'm restrained to want the same thing God wants. It's like going to a buffet, for example, and you see that pot belly, pot belly fried. You see bacon. You see all those cheesy, fatty food. But then, the instruction says, eat salad only. You are looking at the, the bacon. <laughs> but you are going towards salad. Because you are restrained to eat something even though you don't like it. That is why Jesus Christ said, if you want to follow me, carry your cross daily and follow me. Meaning that you are going to live a life and do things that are inconvenience to you. Not, not, not everything you're going to do as a Christian is pleasing. You are going to do some things complaining and crying. Maybe you are married and your marriage is difficult. What you want is out of the marriage. God is saying, keep praying. You are praying and crying. This is why long-suffering has been taken from the dictionaries of many Christians because it's all about their feelings. If I'm not happy, I'm out. If I don't like it, I'm out. We don't want to do what God wants or what God says. When you love God, you do what He wants. Hallelujah. Amen. Not what you want. God's love is seen in your choices. Can I say that again? God's love is seen in your choices. The choices you make every day reveals your love for God. But I know if an opportunity shows up now, many of us will grab that opportunity, then confess after. I was watching a movie where two men were interviewing for the post of a manager. And when they came, the general manager asked the two people and said, we're going to work for just a day. So we can test you out. And then later in the day, the general manager came to the company, I mean to the office, and gave two of the managers secretly an account that they should balance. But they had to compromise on the account or change numbers. And the manager said, if you change the number, whatever is excess, we share 
One of the guys said, no, I can't do it because I'm a Christian. And the manager increased and said, I will give you all. Just modify the figure so I don't get into trouble with my headquarters. That guy said, I better not take the job, but I can't do it. The other guy modified the figures when woman was telling the wife, wow, you don't know how things have changed for us today. Not only did I get a job, but I got a 50% bonus on my first day. The second day when he showed up to work, the CEO said, your attitude on the first day shows us that if we, if we employ you here, this company will go down. They sent him home and they hired a guy who said no. He had restraint. Even though the opportunity was there, he restrained himself. You can't live anyhow and claim you love God. When you love God, there are opportunities like Joseph. Joseph had the opportunity to have a sugar mommy who would have spoken to Potiphar about him. Say, hey, let's promote this guy. Give him a private car. Give him a private apartment. Increase the salary. But Joseph said, how can I do such an evil thing against the Lord? And he escaped. He rather preferred to be in prison than to be free with a sugar mommy. How much restraint do you have? If you love God, you will exercise restraint. Hallelujah. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 5, it says, But whoso keepeth the word of God, in him verily is the love of God perfected. He said, Hereby we know that we are in him. In other words, if you love God, you keep his commandments. You don't do what you like. You don't do what you feel. You don't do what comes to your mind. You don't do what you think. You do what God says and what God wants. What does God want for your marriage? What does God want for your business? What does God want for your relationship? What does he want for your family? What does God want about that friend that you and, and him or her are not getting along? What does God want? You do what God wants. Know what you want. Because if you go by what you want, you are going to end up in regret and spend your days somewhere where you'll be crying and weeping, gnashing your teeth. But this morning, I came to encourage somebody. If you are in love with Jesus Christ, let the love of God restrain you from doing certain things. Hallelujah. Like I said this morning, if you love the Lord Jesus Christ, His love will restrain you in what you love. That love will restrain you from darkness. And that love will restrain you to only what God wants. Can we stand on our feet? As we stand, just begin to talk to the Lord. Just begin to talk to the Lord. Just begin to talk to the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus.